Good morning. That which defiles. The Pharisees, <coughs> excuse me, and some of the teachers of the law had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So, the Pharisees and teachers of the law ask Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honour your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help the fathers or mothers is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their fathers or mothers. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he left the crowd, he entered the house. His disciples asked him about his parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual, immor sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Graham. Well, um, a few years ago, many years ago, when I worked as a pastor, uh, I got asked to do a wedding once, as you do. Uh, and it was a wedding that the couple wanted to have 
in um, quite an old formal sort of church building. So they rented this church and it was a beautiful old church. Uh, and we set about getting ready for the wedding. Um, during the rehearsal, the church actually provided for me, the celebrant, um, a helper. They call them a verger, someone who's going to help out getting ready. Oh, it's fine. So I had this uh, verger with me, and this verger was someone who had a role at that church and was also uh, studying the Bible at uh, a theological college, kind of like this one, but um, from a different tradition. So we got set, um, organizing the wedding, getting everything set up, and at one point the verger came up to me quite distressed and said, I've just noticed something. I thought, what is it? The tablecloth at the front on the, uh, they call it the uh, altar in these types of churches, but we call it the communion table. The tablecloth on the communion table is the wrong color. What do you mean the wrong color? It's the wrong color. It's not that liturgical season. You might know the church has liturgical seasons. At the moment, we're in Lent, and we have Advent, and we have Eastertide, and we have Christmas, all those kinds of things, Pentecost, and each of them has a colour. And the colour often matches the linen, or the linen matches the colour. It was the wrong colour, and the Virgil was quite distressed about this. So I said, look, come in. I don't think they'll notice, and I don't think they'll care. Let's just keep it between you and me. No one else will know. So, okay, that calmed them down. They felt, all right, fair enough, good. We had the wedding. It was wonderful. Uh, went off uh, as it should. No one noticed the tablecloth. It was okay. And during the wedding, I, I preached a very simple sermon, just from Genesis chapter 2, which talks about the creation of Adam and Eve and marriage. And it was very simple. I just went through a few verses and explained how God had designed this and it was a good thing to be married. The end of the service, the verger came up to me, again, almost kind of in tears, uh, and said, can I please have a copy of your sermon? I thought, oh, sure, it was pretty standard, nothing special, but gave him a couple, bit of paper it was written on. I said, I have never heard a sermon like that in my whole life. So here's what's happening. This person who was studying at a theological college and working in a church was learning to get in a big panic when the tablecloth was the wrong colour but had never heard the Bible preached. Had never heard the Bible preached. This is a very different tradition of church. This is a church where human patterns and precepts and traditions take priority over the Word of God. And it was quite stark for me to see that. Lots of traditions are good. Lots of traditions are excellent, have good roots and serve us well. But when traditions trump the word of God, what should we think about that? Well, today's passage will address it directly for us. Mark chapter 7. We have Jesus with his disciples and he attracts the attention of some religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes. These are kind of the establishment leaders. And they're kind of uh, religious leaders and academics. Um, maybe like, you know, if you, if you know a, a, a bishop who's an academic as well, that sort of idea. And their concern is that the official version of the Jewish faith be adhered to. The official version being their version of the Jewish faith be adhered to. 
and they heard about this guy Jesus who is claiming to have the proper version of the Jewish faith but saying something quite different to what these scribes and Pharisees say and he can't be ignored because in just the chapter previous chapter 6 he's doing things like multiplying bread and fish and feeding thousands of people he's walking on water he's healing people he demands attention and he's saying this is the real religion not the scribes and Pharisees so they come to him not in awe not going wow look at your miracles this is incredible but they come to him feeling threatened and they come to him looking for fault and wanting to prove themselves and they find fault they find fault in his disciples Jesus disciples are eating food without washing their hands now this is not like me and my kids which is did you wash your hands before you came to the table um yes dad they look pretty filthy to me yeah it's not just hygiene it's a ritual washing Jesus disciples are not going through a ritual a symbolic washing that the Pharisees and scribes said is actually important before they eat please notice that this is not required by the old testament the scriptures of the scribes and the pharisees no this is just one of their traditions that they have found helpful again it might be that there's good intent possible here the old testament is full of rituals for purity uh, rituals you'll go through to demonstrate your purity and it might be that they just thought look not only can we do those things in the old testament we can go above and beyond and we can show our purity in even greater ways they might have had a good intent there or it might have been motivated negatively which is always the worst motivation for religion it might have been motivated by fear that is it might be god's pretty strict let's make ourselves even stricter just so we make sure that we don't get in trouble with god anyway whatever their motivation we're not sure but their goal now is not to make sure that Jesus disciples are pure but to catch Jesus out as leading his people in ways that are contrary to the established religion well in verses 6 to 13 Jesus hears this and comes back with what is a much deeper issue he's not on the defensive oh no they're coming after me quite the contrary he sees straight into their motives and he spots their faults and their hypocrisies by the way if you ever meet Jesus don't challenge him about something you think he's doing wrong <laughs> it will end badly for you <laughs> he quotes at the scribes and Pharisees from their own scriptures from the book of Isaiah in chapter 29 uh, that was in verses 6 and 7 and the scribes and Pharisees they should know their own scriptures right they should know them and be living them and Jesus says your words about honoring God do not reflect what is going on in your heart you say one thing but what's in here is a different thing and what you are doing is elevating your traditions and your rules above God's law now it's interesting because Jesus doesn't then run with the example of washing hands he picks a different example uh, an example of something he calls Korban verses 9 to 13 now we don't know what what is korban uh foreign to us but known to them and what it is quite simply is it's the idea that a thing that was originally meant for one purpose can be legitimately repurposed for a religious use okay 
So again, this is kind of an Old Testament idea in the way. If you think about it, um, there were things like grain. Grain was uh, provided so that it could be eaten, but you could repurpose it into an offering for God. So you could say, no, you can't eat that grain because we're going to offer it to God. That idea, a repurposing. And it seems so that the scribes and Pharisees have extended this idea, though, and manipulated it. And they've manipulated it in such a way that they don't have to support their parents. This is what Jesus picks them up on. They don't have to support their parents. They claim that the resources, the funds, presumably the money that they would give to help look after their parents, are repurposed for religious purposes. Uh, That is, they're using a tradition. The Bible doesn't, the Old Testament doesn't talk about repurposing your money for religious purposes in this sense. But they're using it to override the law. The commandments. One of the Ten Commandments is honour your father and mother. They're rejecting one of the Ten Commandments because they've taken this idea of Corban and said, ah, we're we're repurposing the money for something else. And it seems what they're really repurposing it for is themselves. Now, it's easy to see, isn't it, when you look at those churches that get all panicky about the colour of the tablecloth and don't read the Bible, that this kind of thing still happens today. People say, we have traditions that we hold to that are really important. The Word of God is pushed to the side. And it's easy for us to notice that and to be disappointed and to feel solidarity with Jesus. But, you knew there was going to be a but. Here's the hard question. Do we do it too? It's all well and good to notice the problem in others, but... As we're taught in the scriptures, we always seek to get the log out of our own eye first. Do we do it too? Do we do it too? Uh, I know that this church here prioritises the scriptures. I know that the Bible is taught here. Praise the Lord. It's excellent. Like my church, same thing. But we all have to be very careful not to be overconfident and very careful to always be checking what we're doing and to make sure our way of living, our way of worshipping is in line with what the scriptures says. Is there any way that our churches put our culture, our church culture, before the teaching of the Bible? Now, for us, churches like yours and mine, it's unlikely to be medieval tradition and tablecloth colour. But there might be other things. Are there certain ways of doing church that are more about a white post-war English or American tradition than they are about what the Bible says. It can be hard to tell sometimes because these things overlap with the culture around us. And, And so distilling what's just culture and what is crashing into how God would have us lead our churches and live our lives can be tricky sometimes. But it's good to ask some questions, isn't it? You know, let me throw out a few examples. Um, is it the Bible or our church culture that dictates the way that we do the Lord's Supper in church? Is it the Bible or church culture that says you should have a 20-minute monologue from a preacher at the front of church every week? Is it the Bible or church culture that dictates 
our view on having spontaneous prophecy in a church service? Is it the Bible or church culture that affects the tone and content of our prayers? There's some hard questions, right? I think about my church and think, we should think through those things. We should think through those things. Jesus is saviour. He's the only one that we can come to for forgiveness of sins and hope of eternal life. But Jesus is also Lord. He's the one who we follow, the only one who we follow. We need to know what Jesus calls us to. We need to know the scriptures, uh, not just what Jesus says, but Jesus is now pointing back to the Old Testament, to what, we've, uh, what we have there as well. We need to know that too. We need to embrace it. We need to make it our way of life. Now, it's tricky when you get to the Old Testament, isn't it? Because there is a lot of culture in the Old Testament. There is a lot that the New Testament kind of turns on its head from the Old Testament or shines fresh light on, brings out of the shadows. So you need to read the Old Testament with some degree of kind of uh, competence in how to do that at a level of not just a clumsy uh, way of doing that. Uh, I guess what follows uh, immediately on from that uh, and now I kind of move perhaps into plugging my work, we need people who can teach us well, right? And people who can lead our churches well. Uh, we need people who can guide us in helping us to read the Bible well. People who will pastor us in living out the Scriptures well. Otherwise, we might just end up with the blind leading the blind or with the well-intentioned but uninformed leading the trusting. We need more people to train in leadership than we have at the moment though we have great students at our college we don't have enough there are churches around our city who do not have pastors because they can't find them there are job vacancies in churches we need more people leading the people of god so that they don't follow human traditions but so they follow the word of god so here's a question for you is there anyone you know who should think about it is there anyone you know who should think about changing what they're doing and maybe considering serving the Lord in that kind of way? Could you encourage them? Could it be you? Could it be you? Why don't you think of three good reasons why not and then think about if they're really good reasons. There's no way that people are going to be able to live and heed the word of God if they don't know the word of God. So we need people to teach it. Well, let's come back to the text. And in verses 14 to 23, Jesus does actually return to the, issues that, the issue that the scribes and Pharisees brought to him. Turns back to this question of hand washing. Uh, the Pharisees think it's important to wash the outside, but Jesus says, no, it's what's in your heart that defiles, not what's on your hands. Yes, wash your hands and get the germs off. I'm still going to tell my kids to do that. I don't want them to get sick. But Jesus is more concerned about what comes out because unholiness is a worse problem than uncleanliness verses 21 and 22 say it's more serious to be uh sorry question what's more serious to be unwashed or to be ritually unclean uh, impure it's from within out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All of these come from inside and they defile 
a person. It's more important, as it were, to deal with them than to deal with your hands, the dirt on your hands. Of course, the hand-washing ritual did start in a good place. It was meant to be, I presume generously, pointing to a deeper purity. We want to be pure, and this is just a symbolic way of pointing to that. But think about what Jesus says. If it's about washing the inside, if it's about what's inside that counts, then we kind of need to to wash the inside, not our hands. Uh, If that's what matters, then we need to get the dirt, as it were, out of our hearts. So how the heck do you wash your inside? Which is a good question, isn't it? Eat the soap? Pretty gross. Not sure it would work. No, we need something else to wash our inside, don't we? You know, Christians often talk about uh, being washed with the blood of Jesus. Have you heard this? We're washed with the blood of Jesus. That's language we'll sometimes use. And what is that referring to? It might be referring to the stains of sin that are on the outside of us. And so, you know, washing our clothes and being cleansed, being pure, being white before Jesus, that washing with his blood. But I wonder as well, if being washed by the blood of Jesus isn't just about washing away the stain of sin, but also washing away the source of sin in our heart. That would mean, of course, that we'd need to take the blood of Jesus and not just, as it were, have the outside of us washed, but have the inside of us washed. It means we'd have to drink his blood. That sounds pretty gruesome, doesn't it? Oh, but hang on, what's the church been doing for the last 2,000 years? The Lord's Supper, where we eat his body and drink his blood. It's still symbolic, but a powerful symbol, isn't it? Of the blood that cleanses, not just cleansing our outside, but cleansing our inside. Not just dealing with the stain of sin, but the source of sin. And that cleansing on the inside, cleansing the source of sin, is something we can't do. We can't get down there. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, given freely to all who seek the Lord with humble hearts. When you come to Christ, you're baptized, and that symbolism of being washed clean on the outside is clear there. And then as you live the Christian life, you take the Lord's Supper, and there's a symbol there of being washed inside by His blood too. A reflection of what the Holy Spirit has done in our hearts when we believe in Jesus by faith. Look, traditions of the church are often great. Uh, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I think lots of traditions are very helpful and useful. They come from a good place. I'm also a fan of symbolism. I think symbols are great, be it the symbol of washing your hands or the symbol of uh, the blood and the wine in the Lord's Supper. But it must point to a deeper reality. Traditions need to be helpful symbols need to point to a reality and they need to prioritise the reality to which they point over just the symbols in themselves. Traditions have to help us as followers of Jesus to follow his word rather than just be traditions for their own sake. That's the whole point of traditions and symbols. That's why we have them. So I say we can love those good traditions, those good symbols in our church. We can love our customs, but this is a call for us to be careful not to abuse those for our own purposes or to let them 
distract us as though other things are more important than the word of God and keeping that central in our lives over all else. It's God's word that we need to know God's truth about God's son for God's glory and ultimately for our good too. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and the things he taught. Even when confronted, even when in uh, situations uh, like that of people challenging him, uh, not only did he demonstrate that he was doing nothing wrong, but he, he showed us how we can live well and know him well and be who you want us to be for your glory and for our good. Help us to love your word and help us to live your word and help us to be people who are humble enough to examine even our well-loved traditions and rituals to make sure they're actually drawing us closer to you as we seek to live out your word for your glory. Amen.